Hi, everyone. Welcome to We the Class of 2023. We're your hosts. I'm Megna. And I'm Emma. And today we're going to be talking about a very, very important issue with Jaden McCall regarding Black Student Union and how racism is prevalent in our society today. Hi, guys. I'm Jaden McCall, um, and I'm currently a member of the Black Student Union at Del Norte. Okay, so we're going to start with um, a general philosophical question. So do you think that teens can make a difference in today's society? Um, I personally really do. I think there's a lot of different uh, ways and different um, approaches that were introduced like from the media to us being teens and being so young and being able to do so many things, whether it's voting. Um, I know we're not of the age yet, but whether mm -hmm. it's that, whether it's going out and protesting, um, using social media as a way to um, use your voice, I think are all really good ways. Right. And I was actually thinking about this. A lot of the times you, when you hear about teens making a difference, it's like, a big grand gesture and it's like this teen who did an amazing thing um which is which is great and those those people are amazing but there's also like regular everyday ways that teens can make a difference in today's mm -hmm. society and it doesn't have to be you know like finding the cure for cancer or anything mm -hmm. like right. that um i think that sometimes like maybe a little overwhelming especially mm -hmm. like in the news like you the news doesn't focus on like those everyday little things that teens mm -hmm. do to make a difference and it's more like like Megan said, like solving or finding a cure for cancer. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to emphasize that us everyday teens can make a difference as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, so a little opposing point of view, teens are believed to be like too young to understand big things or too young to understand these like really important social concepts. So, um, and that they don't have the experience. So do you guys have any opinions on that? Like does age validate experience? Um, I feel if you're fighting for a similar cause, I really don't think the age matters. Um, mm -hmm. you can really be affected by different traumas, different things. The world really doesn't, you know, choose which age to like affect. It will affect everyone in some yeah. way or another. And I think people learn that a lot as you get older. There definitely comes there. There's a lot of wisdom that comes with getting older as well, which is I think why we us as young people need to make sure to turn to people who maybe a little bit older than us or who have more experience or who can vote um but yeah I really don't think it determines but it can help like if you are older you may have more wisdom so. yeah I actually really like that that you don't completely like shun the older society or like older people but you work together and it's like a collective thing of course yeah, yeah. okay so um our next question is what is black student union currently doing to combat racism combat. so there's actually a lot of things we um as we participate in our meetings, as we hold meetings, we make sure to highlight Black voices that have been silenced or Black voices who haven't been um, represented. Uh, we make sure people know the things they can do to help, um, whether it be signing petitions, whether it be um, helping people who are in need, POC who are in need um, in their community and making it easy access while also um, um, we, we kind of try our best to um, have events planned where we can um, bring our sense of community together for like the cause that we're pursuing. All right, so going more into like your personal story, Jaden, what made you get into activism? So that's a big question. So for me, it was really a lot um, for a long time, for a lot of my life, my I feel like I felt like my voice was silenced and I felt like I didn't really have the um, power or the place to speak up for myself. 
um, you know, being shunned by other people or being told that you're not enough by other people can really have an effect on you. And I think it had a, a great effect on me. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, and especially last summer, summer of 2020, mm-hmm. um, when the media started putting racism and systemic racism and all the things that are going on in our faces, whereas before it was kind of covered up, mm-hmm. that was really when I was forced, I think, to open my eyes. And um, it was less of a nonchalant situation and more of an urgent situation. And so once I started to, um, me and my sister would go to protest daily, weekly, um, and we just felt so passionate about it because we were so angry about what was happening over the internet. And I think a lot of times the media will try to cha- turn that anger into mm-hmm. um, like rage and like different, um, just things that can be really negative. And so that's why we tried our best to um, attend peaceful protests and fight for causes that we believed in peacefully rather than turning to um, hate and violence. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that you went to a lot of protests. What was that experience like? It was really, it was it was heartbreaking. It was motivating. It was a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. That on top of just seeing what was going on in the media, um, attending the protest really, really opened my eyes because it just showed like it takes, it, it takes so much community, so much effort to try to get your point across um, and get your beliefs across to people who, it's almost as if you're trying to argue with a wall, you know, people who won't listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was really important for me to do. I'm really grateful that I had that experience. Of course, I'm not grateful that we had to protest because it is a sad truth that we had to protest for our rights and for our lives. Um, that shouldn't be something we would have to do or we should have to do living in this country, but I'm very glad that it um, changed my mindset regarding racism. And rather than just letting it happen, realizing that me and the people around me and people who are young like me have an actual voice. I love the way you said that. I love the way you worded it. Um, I do remember like the summer of 2020 when everything started um, blowing up, as you said, on on Instagram and and social media. And I started seeing these posts. There was so many things that contradicted each other. And so I realized that I really like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I, um, and I have to like, be careful. So I started getting into like educating myself. So I think it's, you're right. That was like a really big turning point in uh, Mm -hmm. for a lot of different people. Was there anything you learned um, during the protest? Did you meet any new people that stood out to you? Um, when it comes to new people, it was just when, okay, as I grew up, I wasn't really subject to, I didn't really fall subject to having a lot of people who look like, who look just like me mm-hmm. um, in my community. And so seeing that everyone around me looked like me was struggling with the same things that I'm struggling with, if not worse, because I do have to realize that I do have privilege. Um, looking around and seeing that just really made me feel so encouraged and proud of myself and proud of the people around me. Um, so yeah, I feel like everyone in their own individual way stood out at these different protests um, because it was just amazing that people of all different races came together. So mm-hmm. I found that really special. That's great. I know, I, I love hearing this. Um, <laughs> okay, our next topic would be performative activism and whether or not it's a prevalent issue. Um, so do you wanna explain what performative activism is in your words? So yeah, in my words, I would say performative activism is really just um, not so much of a trend, but more of a um, ego boosting tactic. I feel like it's something to show other people that you um, have good merit or good, or you have a good heart or you have good morals um, rather than just um, 
being okay with that yourself, you go out of your way to like put that on display. Um, and sometimes you may not even really believe the things you post or, or put out into media. And I think it's a very, very um, prevalent issue going on right now. I see it all the time. Um, as much as I am on social media, I see it constantly by people who um, I've seen do horrible things in the past, um, acting as if, or not acting as if, but just disregarding what they've done to kind of like show their support. It doesn't really feel like support. It feels more like um, greed and like ignorance. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think performative activism is still like a form of activism? Like, do you think performative activism is something that like still makes progress or does it make the whole like giving, making yourself more educated, like even worse? I think it makes, okay, so it may, I, in my opinion, I think it makes educating yourself worse, but it, I think it can make progress. Either way, if you are um, publicizing a message and urging other, um, your followers or other people to support this um, movement, you are still supporting the movement and helping it. Um, but I do think it's really wrong when people try to turn it, like use it for themselves, if that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. so I don't know if this, question would have a set answer then but where do we draw the line between like performative activism and actual activism so yeah there's there's a lot of things um i don't know if you guys remember but last summer when um a lot of poc were like um wrongfully murdered mm -hmm. there were a lot of people who kind of like posted a black screen to show their support um i think the thing that was really ignorant was just the fact that i saw so many people who have been racist to me particularly have been exposed for being racist, they would um, just post that screen and act and keep it on their Instagram just mm -hmm. to kind of like prove like, oh, I'm not racist. I have this um, support on my social media, you know, but it's like to people who have been affected by their racism and have trauma from that, it's really hurtful because it, it shows that they're not in solidarity and that they're just using it, um, like you guys said, for, for performative purposes, because it's performative activism. So, yeah, right like posting that black screen can kind of make you, um, it shows that you're not like against it. It, it You're not doing anything for um, bettering the conditions. You're just showing that like, you know, I'm not racist. Exactly. Which I, I think that doesn't get us any progress. Mm -hmm. um, right. Cause to my knowledge, I, I thought it was to highlight black voices. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there was part of it where you feel this like, I'm sure there are people that feel like this pressure that like once you see everyone doing it. Oh, yeah. of course, of course. Like, and I don't blame, I don't, start doing I, it. yeah, I don't ever blame other people for uh, falling subject to pressure or feeling like they're missing out on something so they want to help. Um, right. I even post, uh, felt subject to it. I posted it, but it's just different when you see a lot of people who aren't Black or who um, didn't really support the movement before or like show their support, kind of just mm -hmm. posting it nonchalant, you know? Yeah. So, right. So like, if you see someone that, you know, was racist or that wasn't POC, do you think those people could have still posted or do you think it was more subjugated to people of color or what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> I think, I think it was more, I'm not exactly sure how like, inclusive or like exclusive it was mm -hmm. I don't necessarily remember um 
Yeah, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. And I think people, like the people who posted mainly showed that they were like in solidarity mm -hmm. of the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement. Um, so it's probably includes like people who aren't of color. Yeah. Uh, but also with that, it's hard to like discern an intent behind it because it was just a black screen. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to tell if someone is doing it just for like the sake of doing it or because mm -hmm. they like genuinely, um, you know, supported and wanted to further this movement. Um, right. But that goes with like what you do after too, I think, um, whether mm -hmm. or not you continue to like advocate after. Right, I agree. And if I'm being honest, and if we're going into like personal things, like I definitely participated in performative activism, especially in like the very beginning of that summer, when um, things would start blowing up, I'd see a post on my like on my friend's Instagram, and I'd look into it, and I'd read it, and I'd be like, yes, yeah, this is all true. So then I'd repost it without, you know, fact checking without seeing if that was a credible source, um, mm -hmm. or anything like that. And also, it just felt like if I wasn't doing it, then, you know, People that would be racist or something, or yeah. like you disagreed with the cause. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, I'm I'm not super active on social media. I mean, like mm -hmm. I try to stay away from that sometimes. And I think, you know, it really started to catch the news, you know, how teens were making a difference, using social media as a platform. And because I'm not totally active on it every day or something it felt like if I wasn't going to post something then people thought oh like oh Emma like disagrees with it mm -hmm. or like this and this and that and it felt like I think I think I think there are many teens that go through this too it's like you feel like there's a spotlight on you mm -hmm. and like people focus on your every move and which really isn't the case I have a question Jaden so how do you how do you differentiate like when you search things up or when you try to educate yourself using sites online like how do you differentiate between one that's correct and one that's not correct and one that's like useful and informative and one that's more false information um well i really i make sure when i repost something that um, happened recently i make sure to go to um more official um, instagram ads like blm or um, impact um, and similar um, Instagrams like that in order to see if like it's credible just because I personally trust them I've been um, kind of like associated with them for like a while so I have more like of a trust but I also make sure to like look it up in Safari and see if like and see what's going on you know um, right mm -hmm. thank you okay so our next question um, is what are different ways that discrimination can occur in society and these can be like subtle or more obvious forms. Um, there's so many different like ways racism can like affect society and different um, individuals. Um, and I think systemically that's just um, how it is. Um, when it comes to, the question was like different ways. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, um, are there less obvious forms that deserve more attention? Right. We know about like blatant racism, we know about hate crimes um, and oh. we see those, those are the ones that. Yes, yes. So this is a really big one. When it comes to people think, a lot of people think that when it, um, we're discussing things um, regarding racism, um, a lot of people do think that it's just, it falls subject to white versus black. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a lot of internal hate, a lot of um, things brought on by society onto like us as POC or just as the black community, mm -hmm. um, there's things like colorism, you know, there's different things that go on within 
our communities that are already um, discriminated against that make it even harder for us to combat. Um, and so that's, I think that's a really big one when it comes to colorism and how so um, systemically ingrained it is into society yet no one like talks about it or um, highlights it. Um, even though it's extremely obvious, it's almost everywhere. Like when you look at um, the beauty standards, when you look at um, just anything, it's just that theory brought on by white society of being as close to whiteness as possible mm -hmm. in order to have privilege. And I think that's why, I think privilege is one of the things that makes it so um, just systemically ingrained into the mm -hmm. community. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not just like an issue in um, America too. Like there's a lot of colorism that goes on in like Asia and um, it's, it's that same idea, like getting as close to whiteness as possible, right? Having to, yeah, mm -hmm. having to look as white as possible, having to try to fit into that type of race makes, I feel like helps you move up in the social, mm -hmm. like social levels. And I think that itself is, just it's very damaging yeah mm -hmm. and so when it comes to like i think the really important thing um coming from all that is just recognizing your privilege and never putting yourself above other people who are who may be more oppressed than me i know personally if i were to be pulled over i'm probably have more of a chance of living than a dark-skinned black man and that's just factual um i can't deny that i can't act like oh just because i'm black we go through the same things because we don't a lot of people we may be in the same community, but we may not experience the same struggles, if that makes sense. Um, right. So yeah, I think that really needs to be, a lot, a lot of people don't understand that. That needs to be, they just need to educate themselves, I think. And it, it comes with time, it comes with learning about yourself, comes with learning about other people and the struggles that people go through. Um, but yeah, it's really important, I think. And I think that also, um, we should make sure not to generalize people's experiences or like an entire, like races experiences that's like definitely easy to do like you assume that all races like you said all racism looks like one thing um when it definitely doesn't i definitely think like especially microaggressions um you know there have been times where like someone will say something and whether it's intentional or not you're just like wait a minute <laughs> is it okay for me to get offended by this mm -hmm. and i think that's something that people also should recognize that it's not always like that blatant racism that um, you may see on the news or you may hear. Um, it's also those very subtle things that make a big impact on someone's life. Mm -hmm. I think I also, so I have a question with that. When you're, um, when you notice like microaggressions, obviously people, um, you should call them out, but what's the, I don't know how to word this. What I'm trying to say is like, if, if I'm not like of a, um, of a certain race but like I hear microaggression like that would it be weird if I got offended not for me but like for how do I you think yeah I think that is a confusing thing um I don't think at all like if I were to just be in the general public and I were to hear um discrimination against someone of a different race a different sexuality a different gender anything like that I feel like when it comes to just respecting other people it's okay for you to get offended it's okay for you to call them out if you aren't a part of that group just because when it comes down to respect, it's important that other people aren't disrespecting people. And if you have the chance to call them out, then do it. Because that, that if anything, what that does is it may not benefit you, but it does benefit someone else who may be of that group who may not have to endure that trauma because you called them out, because you stopped them there, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah.
Yeah, I really like that you said it's like on a person to person basis. So less of like standing up for an entire like a general race. You're like that person to ensure that they don't um, mm -hmm. have to go through that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, continuing on with the less obvious forms of discrimination and racism, um, I think it's definitely prevalent in hiring. Um, for example, you know, black or Hispanic people will get shorter interviews and may never get called back or managers will explicitly reject resumes that appear to have like black sounding or Hispanic names. Um, what, what, is your, what are your thoughts on that, Jaden? Yeah, so I think that's really prevalent when it comes to um, what people call like a black scent or AAVE, um, which stands for African-American vernacular English or whether it comes to different people's accents um, and trying to get a professional job. I think based on America's standards, they've associated professionalism with whiteness. And so they do think that someone who is of a different race or ethnicity or who sounds different won't be able to perform the same job. And that's such a great example of how it's so systemically ingrained because without even thinking about it, they subconsciously will see that, oh, this person is white right. or this person doesn't sound professional but they may not be trying to be racist, but it's extremely racist because of the systemic um, background. Yeah, this, the systemic like history behind that. And so I think that's just, um, you've probably seen it before, like when it comes to um, black people or people of color um, using a quote unquote, like white, white scent or like, like speaking white mm -hmm. in order to like get themselves places or whatever. Um, and that's that's been used so, um, for so long in the job industry. There's that, there's um, when it comes to a person's looks, when it comes to the way they wear their hair, there's been so many like injustices when it comes to people will have braids. I, I, I know fellow um, minorities who have worn braids to get jobs and they have been told, not even like, um, didn't even get to speculate, like that was the reason, but they've been told that their hair wasn't professional or that it needs to be, or they've been asked that they can change it. And I think that's really hurtful because um, you, you're comparing beauty standards to someone who's just trying to make a living and someone who has their own culture who may not feel comfortable changing that culture. Um, but by doing that, you're forcing them to step out of their own comfort zone, whereas you wouldn't force a white person to do that. You know? mm -hmm. so. I actually do you didn't know that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, continue. Do you think that has to do a lot with like the internalized biases that we all have. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, I think that ties into um, in like a different segue to like cultural appropriation when it comes to people like blatantly um, using uh, hairstyles of different cultures or um, making their skin a certain color to appeal to like new age, quote unquote, new age beauty standards, which really are just the beauty standards of minorities that we already have. Um, and so I think that's extremely prevalent but what's scary is that like a white person who may have um, braids or, or you know, something used off of POC, they can just easily change that and go back to their privilege while we can. Mm -hmm. so. so our Zoom meeting ended, but we're back and we were talking about cultural appropriation. Um, and my question for you, Jaden, was what necessarily like counts as cultural appropriation? the Kardashians wearing like braids in their hair, would that be considered cultural appropriation? 
Um, I personally think so. I think, okay, so when it comes to the, when it pertains to Kim Kardashian, she does like to kind of like write it off saying that like, at least with the braids, like mm-hmm. she likes to like, oh, or um, talk about how like she is um, related to black people now, or like she um, has a black husband. So it's like, it makes it like morally okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard on the internet, like, or on social media, as I've been learning about different things like this, I have heard that when it comes to, like you said, appre- appreciation versus appropriation, when it comes to appreciating somebody's um, uh, like cultural identity, um, I don't exactly know what that entails. I did see mm-hmm. something about if you were to like ask that person and then if they allowed you to, mm-hmm. then it's okay. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with that mm-hmm. because it still then could be offensive to so many other people who are still a part of that group. Right. Um, I think it's hard to like, sometimes draw the line between appropriation and appreciation especially if someone does say like oh I just I just love the culture and even then like seeing maybe someone if you guys know the influencer um influencer Nikita Dragon mm-hmm. oh my so God. she did um she wore her hair in braids last year and mm-hmm. when she kind of like showed herself to like the internet she um wrote in the caption of her Instagram post and she basically said how she has so many like black um friends she's asked about this and she's so like uh, appreciative I guess of like the culture um but I think even still in a situation like that where you've asked other people and you're showing your uh, appreciation and not just writing it off I think it still could be offensive of course because you're still using it for the benefits of like beauty standards or, or using minorities um here, here's where it affects me. Like when it comes to the pe- people I know who, or people who have seen on social media who have worn their hair and braids or have worn different things pertaining to their culture, different outfits, different anything, and who have been kicked out of schools, um, racially discriminated against, called ghetto. There's so many different things that have happened to those people. And it, it's, it's almost like undermining that or invalidating right. those experiences when you do wear them. Even, right. even if you are appreciative because you won't get the same treatment as a black mm-hmm. woman were or someone who um whatever it is it doesn't have to be a black issue it could be um anything so yeah. i think right. it's like using something that can possibly hurt one one minority and then you're wearing it as something that you're kind of in a way like showing off um you're using some you're using your privilege and being able to wear or showcase something that the the minority won't be able to, to wear, they'll be easily discriminated against. Exactly. Right, and for something to become like a trend after that or it to be popular because someone not of color wore it or not of that race did it, you know, that's, um, I would consider it's, it's cultural hurtful. appropriation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hurtful. It's like a stab in the back because it's like, um, like if I were to wear braids and if I were to go to a professional environment or if I were to try to, or quote unquote professional, if I were to try to get a job somewhere and I was denied because of that, but then I look on Instagram and I see people who I look up to wearing like the thing that pertains to my culture, not theirs, it feels like they're stealing. Even if they do show their appreciation, it would feel like yeah. they're stealing. So, Yeah, like one of those trends um, that comes to mind is like the fox eye trend. Oh, um, yeah. I think... It's like one of those things where, you know, now it's considered a trend or, or it's something that models use. And, you know, it's 
something that we always use. It's, it's not necessarily offending anyone, but it does because that's something that, you know, someone may used to like get made fun of for, but now that because supermodels do it, it's fine. And, you know, you're lucky to have it or that's just mm. my stance on that. Exactly. And I think it's interesting that we all have like examples to go off of off the top of our heads, which shows that this is like a prevalent enough issue for it to not like for it to be addressed. For it right. to be that we actively have to prevent. And a lot of people think that like you just have to be wide to cultural appropriation. There's even been instances like I love, don't get me wrong, I love Rihanna, mm-hmm. but she has had instances of cultural appropriation, or there have been other celebrities who have um they've definitely apologized for it but they've done stuff that like kind of like insults or offends people and of course they can do whatever they want it's not it's not so much of a controlling aspect because we do have no power over people right but when it comes to just being offensive there needs to be a line drawn even if you have privilege if you have power there needs to be a line drawn I think right I think it has to do a lot with like respect for um, other people's culture I think just you can't really make someone follow or do something but it's having that respect for someone, even if you don't know them, and just respecting the fact that they don't feel comfortable with it, mm-hmm. and that you're you're essentially offending like an entire culture, um, and you have to be mindful of that. And that being said, that we don't have like control over other people's actions, it is a little weird the message that it sends when an influencer or someone like very prevalent in society does like participate in cultural appropriation, and then they're not. Um, like you know punished or or anything for it like they still have their standing they still have their following so it just kind of sends a message that we're like I wouldn't say promoting but allowing that kind of to happen like excusing it because they're because famous or especially people what really hurts is when is like the people who like okay those things like the people who are of that culture and like just think it's completely okay because that does take away other people that that gives society a message that it's okay to do something or to culture um, to appropriate someone's culture, when in reality there's so many other people who are offended by it, and so many people who have been hurt by things like that, um, with their own experiences. Um, I honestly don't know where I'm going. I, I, I do, don't know if I, I answered your question, but I don't know how to word it like people that it, like you're in the same race and you're in like same culture but you're excusing something that a lot of people find offensive. And do you think that has to do with trying to whitewash yourself or trying to fit in and trying to excuse it in order to gain that more acceptance in the community or in society? Because you've, growing up, you felt so left out. You know, because I definitely feel like reflecting on, you know, growing up and, you know, just seeing others and how a lot of times like, it's hard to try to fit in, especially if you're different. And seeing that someone's finally doing something that you used to get made fun of. And so obviously it's offensive and it's hurtful, but then seeing someone that not like not categorizing, but that definitely has faced racism and seeing them excuse someone's behavior. um, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? It's just even more hurtful, honestly. Like, I can relate this back to like when it comes to like slurs and people who um, will use them at school, and there will be there will be people who 
are culturally they might they may not specifically be offended but culturally their race is offended by that specific slur but they will allow other people to use it or give them i don't want to say pass but like they'll they'll give them leeway or do it for do it for popularity do it for friendship do it for you know different things that they think they need to be accepted by other people so they will legitimize themselves they will you they will give up their own culture just for other people's acceptance and that's something i used to do um, I fall, I fall close victim. I'm sure we all in a way do. Yeah. I, I definitely fall close victim to that because I used to really undermine my feelings and my culture. But mm-hmm. since I've grown up and I've learned and I've matured and I've come to like, I've become content with myself and with my culture, mm-hmm. it's, I have less of a tolerance for it. I, it's very hurtful when there are people who are outright will just allow people to do things. I think it's very harmful because that spreads the message that there's nothing wrong with, that, uh, with what they're doing. And that's the opposite of what we want. We want people who use slurs or who offend others to feel like there's something wrong, that they're doing something wrong. But right. if they're given the green light and if they are told it's okay, then it's only spreading, it's stopping nothing. So mm-hmm. I think it's very hurtful. Yeah, I think that also ties in with the uh, Magnus question in the beginning on, do you think age um, with age comes experience and maturity? Um, and how like sometimes teens are told that they're too young mm-hmm. I definitely think it ties like with age you have that choice with age um comes more like maturity and I think when you're younger you know sometimes you know with your experiences you may be able to less make out like what they mean like what it represents um in society and how it may affect you in the future. And I think it's important, that's why it's important to educate um, the younger generation earlier on so that they are more educated growing up and so that they don't have to necessarily question themselves and their culture younger um, as they're growing up as maybe some older generations had to. For sure. I actually really like that point. Like if I was if I was taught um, in elementary school that it was okay to be like, you know, different, then I probably wouldn't have tried to like hide as much. Exactly. And of course, and I think sometimes it relates to proximity. Like, as I said before, like I, I grew up in an environment where the people around me didn't look like me. And mm-hmm. so that sh- just like how society shapes how we view ourselves, that really can take a toll on you when you're young and when you're impressionable you're going to look up to people who are around you and so since I was exposed to that and wasn't exposed to an environment where I was around a bunch of people who look exactly like me or who shared my culture um it had a big effect on me and I think it's it's definitely beneficial to grow up around people who are just like you or go through the same experiences as you or have similar cultures as you um, but yeah, I, I really like that point, Emma, where you talked about how they need to be like, if I were younger, growing up in an environment where people around me look nothing like me, and I tried to be like them all the time, if there was someone who told me, or if I was introduced to um, my own culture in a way where I never felt embarrassed about it, mm-hmm. I would have been, I would have had to go through much less trauma because I would have, I, I wouldn't have let people walk over my culture. And so... I think, yeah, I think it, it just, it, it affected me a lot. So. Right. Do you think that, I think, I, I don't know why, but I find this connection with like the cultural appropriation and where you draw the line. Do you think someone that, you know, grew, grew up with a different culture 
with everyone looking completely different than them. And then them, because they've only grown up or they only know this one certain culture and then they do follow this culture, um, do you think it's cultural appropriation or do you think this is appreciation? Like in what way? Like, could you like make an example? Well, of like if someone white, right, grew up in a predominantly black community, do you think them, you know, wearing braids in their hair or, um, yeah, wearing like braids yeah. in their hair, do you think that's appropriation or do you think that's appreciation? Because all they've known growing up is, you know, like the black culture. Yeah, I think it's very difficult in that situation because when, you are told by other people that there's something about you that isn't yours mm -hmm. um, and you've known that your whole life, that's really heartbreaking. So if that white person did grow up wearing braids or using AAVE um, around their friends, around their loved ones, and it just is how they are, it's really difficult to try and combat that. And I think um, that's where it's really hard to kind of like decide yeah. if it's appreciation or appropriation. I think in a way it could be appreciation because it's less of a, it's less of a putting yourself on a like on a um, cool. on a yeah platform or a pedestal to try and like seem cool or edgy because I'm mm -hmm. speaking this way or I do things like these other cultures, mm -hmm. and more of a it's who you are, it's where you came from. I don't necessarily excuse it, but I'm not gonna. Mm -hmm. When you give me that kind of backstory and that kind of person, it's just a different situation. So. I think that's why it's definitely hard because if you do go on social media and take pictures, and then people. Mm -hmm like in the comments say that's appropriation, that's appropriation. Are you gonna be telling everyone you see on the streets like, like I grew up in this community and that's why, this is why I wear it. Mm -hmm. Or do you think it's just something that you need to recognize and just not do completely? I think it just depends on the person. There's no, there's no official way you can like, um, right. people don't really, people obviously can decide whether they're influenced by other people or not. They, they make their own choices. Um, but I mean, we, I think we should do what we can and call people out mm -hmm. regardless of whether they will change or not. There's a lot of people who I've called out who I know will never change and will have to learn by themselves that what they're doing is wrong one day. And we'll have to sit with themselves and go through um, experiences. Yeah, mm -hmm. to see what they were doing was wrong. And so I think that, 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 that also kind of segues into the idea where I try much less now um, well, I always make sure to call people out, but when somebody is obviously doing something with hate and malice intention, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I try not to waste my time because it, I'm not going to waste my breath trying to educate someone who is, who has demonstrated that they do not care and do not care about my feelings or my culture. Um, and so I think it's best in those situations to not necessarily ignore it, but it, it really just depends on you. Right. Right. And it's not your job to educate them. Like it's not your duty to do that or anything it's it's up no, to them exactly okay moving on so what are your thoughts on implicit bias we touched on this a little bit throughout the discussion but um what are your overall thoughts and what is why don't you share like your definition of implicit bias so when i think of implicit bias i really think it's something that um none of us are responsible for but based on the privileges we have or whether you don't have privilege, whether you do, whether you grow up in areas that people look different than you, whether you look the same as people um, who you grew up with, I think we all innately and naturally have implicit bias because it's just the ways that society has forced, forced us to compare ourselves to others. And so I don't blame people for having implicit bias, I don't think. I really, 
blame America. I blame the society. I blame the places we grew up around. Um, and that I don't think that has anything to do with you as a person, but I think the best thing is to try and combat those. Like when it comes to me, I I know I have implicit bias. I try my best when I realize that I think of something or that I judge someone or something. Mm-hmm. I try my best to change that mindset because I know it's not me. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not responsible for that. Um, so yeah, I think those are my thoughts. And I think, did I give you the like definition kind of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. The most important thing is to check yourself and to like be mindful of what you are thinking um, and ensure that if you do have like thoughts based on your implicit bias, like don't, one, don't act on them if they're, if they're negative and also like try and see what prompted that and like what internal belief um, made you think that way and try to change that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have to go, but no we will continue this conversation. Um, thank you so much, Jaden, for joining. Of course. Um, yeah, continue. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, so we have one last thing to go okay. over, and that's just how do we educate ourselves? Like, what are the different ways that teens or just people can, like, learn about this? Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to, like, personal education, um the number one thing is to not be influenced by people around you there's uh, like a lot of people will have different opinions and i think you just have to come up with your own consensus of what's morally right and your own um merit mm-hmm. your own like philosophy of like what you think is right or wrong um it's important to use social media but with a grain of salt is i, I guess is what i'm trying to say because there are a lot of missed messages there are a lot of false things going on on the internet um there are a lot of inaccurate points Um, and you may not get the full story before kind of like coming to a consensus or like a conclusion of what you think is right. Um, But I think social media can also be a really good way to educate you um, and to give you, I mean, it it definitely educated me. I think personally without social media, I'd I'd be not very in the know of things going on in society. And I think it's very beneficial. Um, It's also hurtful though and degrading when you see things going on pertaining to your culture or pertaining to your race people who like are killed because they look like you, it, it can hurt and it can have very damaging effects on your mental health, I think. But I think that's just where the education comes in and the, um, that's what made me want to protest and like fight for people like me. So, yeah. Yeah, so maybe start at social media, but then try to branch out, like try to mm-hmm. look at different sources. Of course, yeah. Um, so that is all the questions that we have. Okay. Uh, Thank you so, so much. Oh my goodness. You are so incredibly well-spoken. I, Ooh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and I did learn a lot and I hope that everyone listening did learn a lot and you take away from this um, to be more mindful, to educate yourself and uh, be wa- aware. And I think that's it. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jaden. Um, bye. Have a good day. Have a good week. You too.